Hi, everyone. Okay, I know I said these podcast updates were going to be weekly. At least I think that's what I said. But you know what? Trying to get anything written and recorded over the holidays with the family at home is basically impossible. Now, it doesn't matter too much from an update point of view because yeah, things have pretty much stayed static. However, if you've noticed that my voice sounds a bit husky in this recording, and I guess the previous one, it's because I'm having to record these things late at night while everyone's asleep and I can't go fully on voice. Oh, I am looking forward to daytime recording from next week. I did promise a year in review, which is the main reason I didn't just whip out a recording in five minutes to say not much had happened over the holidays. Uh, just a reminder that this podcast, while available to the public and publicly available, is really designed for people who already know me. Uh, anyone can listen. I don't care. It just might be a bit dull if you don't know who the hell I am. Uh, if you're not an old friend and don't know too much about my life before the last few years, I suggest starting with episode one. But you know what? It's all up to you. On to update. The theatrical stuff has not moved forward since the last recording, with one exception, which I'll get to. Um, I'll get to now. <clears throat> uh, I actually had a meeting with the participants of the Spring Showcase, or rather the two that actually showed up to the meeting. <laughs> Scheduling these things, these online meetings is always tough. And uh, let me just flip through my notes because I didn't have this scripted because this happened right before uh, I started recording. Oh, so yeah, we talked about like what we, what we maybe want the Spring Show to be about, like which story we're going to choose and you know, are we going to choose a Japanese myth again? Because those are easy to market sort of as a touring thing, maybe overseas. Sorry about the rustling paper there. Um, or are we going to choose something else? And actually the leading contender right now, I have to say, is uh, is Orlando, which is, the, which is a novella by Virginia Woolf, uh, which I haven't read. I've only seen the movie with Tilda Swinton. So I am going to have to read that for the next time. But we also discussed um, possibly Frankenstein. We talked about the idea of uh, picking another play that already existed in the public domain and just breaking it apart. In that case, we'd probably want something that had a very recognizable name like Macbeth Hamlet and, you know, do, a, do the whole like taking a hammer to it thing and adapting it. But I, I don't think any of us are really super enthused about that right now. Um, what else did we talk about? Oh, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, his stuff is in the public domain. So we thought about like, okay, how would we create like a really sort of scary atmospheric show? And uh, would we do it from one of his stories? Or maybe we could adapt the poems. Now, the problem is, of course, H.P. Lovecraft is sort of problematic as a person. So, you know, Virginia Woolf just seems kind of like a better choice there. Um, and I... Just flipping through my paper again here quickly. Like I said, this is the part of the podcast I didn't script. Um, yeah, so yeah, because apparently also Orlando came into the public domain just this year. So we're looking at Lovecraft Cthulhu, Lovecraft Poems, uh, oh, Frankenstein. Oh, uh, The Sandman by Hoffman. Something else uh, we were taking a look at. So yeah. That's what's going on there. Uh, we've adjourned now until Thursday and we'll come back sort of having read Orlando, I believe, and uh, we'll see what happens. I'll keep you updated on that. Okay. Um, the other thing, right, the Capan show, which, <laughs> that's what um, Catherine and Gwen is calling the show we're developing together to tour Canada. 
uh, that's probably not going to see any updates or at least any thinking on it on, on my part for a few weeks now. Uh, update on podcasts. I haven't had time, obviously, over the holidays uh, to edit anything. And the Does It Hold Up podcast is still looking for a co-host. Still trying to figure out where I'm going to find someone who fits our requirements. Um, oh, uh, yeah. So a little admin stuff. It looks like I'm going to make the trip to the tax office next week to resolve YTG's NPO status with the tax office and try to claw some money back that we were apparently paying them for no good reason. That's happening on Friday. I guess that's not an art update, but it will be a significant weight off my shoulders not to worry about a 75,000 yen tax obligation every year for a company that doesn't turn a profit. Um, I think that's it as far as updates go. Like I said, holidays, uh, not a lot of time. All right, so now it's time for Year in Review. So feel free to stop the podcast here if you're already up to date on this. But for those of us, those of us, those of you joining, uh, let me just review 2022. Uh, the year opened with the theatrical project for that year already having stewed a bit. Uh, we decided to adapt a Japanese no play called Matsukaze. So this is actually the second no adaptation I've worked on. The first was uh, Kikaigashima back in 2014. Uh, but this one was significantly harder. So this, I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but no plays generally have very little of what we'd call, I don't know, action. The main story usually centers around a passive character who learns about a story often through ghosts and then goes on his merry way. With Kikaigashima, we had an easier time of it because that play uh, the no play had been adapted from a story in the Heike Monogatari and had also existed in other forms such as Bunraku and Kabuki plays. So there was just there was more meat on the bone there, more sort of dramatic stuff, more story to work with. Matsukaze, on the other hand, is really, really, really spare as story goes. So uh, just quick, quick version. Uh, priest comes to town. It's always a priest. Uh, comes to town and sees a memorial. An old lady tells him that the memorial, that the memorial is for two local sisters who are uh, commoner, common women, commoners, uh, who work making salt, uh, named Matsukaze and her sister Murasame. And the, oh, these two local sisters fell in love with this sort of prince character, but he left them and he never returned. And then that night, the priest dreams that he meets the sisters and they tell him who they are. They explain that they fell in love with this courtier, 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 court, I can't remember, <laughs> this prince or whatever, and he left them and he never returned, right? Uh, so anyway, while they talk to him about this, they get all worked up and Matsukaze mistakes a pine tree for her lover and performs a dance for it. Her sister Murasame joins her for, for a bit, but then she recovers and she's able to let go and move on to the next life. Uh, yeah, no theater stuff. It's really, it's always about like, it's very Buddhist. Uh, about letting go, about attachment. This play is really about, the initial one is like, lots of no plays is about attachment. Um, so, as I said, I spent the first few months of 2022 facilitating an ensemble working on an adaptation of this story. And just as a sidebar here, uh, that's something I should mention, although I credit myself as director on a lot of these shows and I do a lot of directory stuff. Uh, a lot of that is simply so that I have a title title that other theater people and grants agencies can understand when I show them my CV. The longer I work doing these collective projects, the more 
I feel like director is too limiting a word. I think of myself as a, a like a guide or a facilitator, or if those sound too hippy dippy for you, a provocateur. Um, so in an ensemble situation at YTG, we all slot ourselves into whatever that production requires. For instance, on the two shows of 2021, I essentially built the story. Uh, and I did a lot more of what I would call traditional writing and directing because that's what the ensemble called for. This past year, however, I provided guidance and an outside eye to the ensemble as they developed the show together, um, much of it without my direct input. So that first showcase uh, went up in March of last year, I think maybe early April. It was a mix of scenes that had come out of a rehearsal or sorry, come out of rehearsal. Uh, like every show since the pandemic, I live streamed the performance with no audience in the space physically. Uh, I also set up a feedback session afterwards to gauge how well the audience connected to each scene that we presented. And the, that worked reasonably well. Um, in that showcase, we explored the imagery of the show, including some some very striking stuff, I thought. It, it wasn't a show yet, but it was great to sort of dig into it and experiment. Uh, after a month or so and some changes to the ensemble, we moved ahead to work on the main stage version of the show. The show was completely rethought and rebuilt from scratch. And this time, I was driven by some prose written by Yu Cheng, one of the ensemble members, and it focused more on the relationship between the two women and only loosely followed the original story. And the summer show was also very technically challenging. And I, I ended up personally running all the tech except the lights. And I think, I think the live sound, I ran everything except the lights and the live sound. So I ran the live stream feed, uh, the cameras, the video and sound cues, uh, probably a few other things I can't remember. Um, as a, just an aside here, I really miss the days when I would, could work just on one aspect of a show. Except, I, you know, maybe, uh, I'm not sure those days ever really existed. There were a few times when I was, I guess, just an actor, but uh, look, I'll save this line of thought for another episode. This doesn't belong in my year in review. Okay, um, back to the talking about Matsukaze summer show. So creatively on that show, other than running and participating in the rehearsal room sessions, I, I helped guide the scenes that were created. I edited or rewrote them for theatricality. Uh, also, while showing the set designer through the space, I came up with this weird idea of how to stage the show. I mean, I credit myself for the idea and Gordon, the designer, with telling me that it wasn't an insane idea. Uh, but he actually did all the building uh, and the refining. Uh, let's see, what else did I do? Oh, I also guided and coordinated the video sound and lighting designers. So any, any, anyway, in the end, I was really happy with the summer show. There was some disjointedness. There were some sections I wish we'd filled in a little bit more. And the ending was really arty-farty and open to interpretation and kind of done in the last minute. But I, I think it was a, I think it was a pretty good show. It was also our first hybrid show. And while we planned for up to 10 people to attend in person per performance, but because there was some doubt, there was like a surge in COVID cases. And I think someone was sick and we weren't sure whether it was COVID or not. So we did invite people to the last minute. So that we usually had like four or five people in the audience, I'd say on average. I think our biggest show was eight. Smallest was two. Uh, so after Matsukaze's August performance, actually, I thought it was done for the year for theater. But then I was chatting with uh, Veronica Streltsova from Pro English Theater, and another project just dropped in my, into my lap. So Pro English is the only English language theater group in Ukraine, just sort of give a bit of a background here. 
And since the invasion last winter, they've been building this sort of loose group confederation of English language theater artists across the world. I, I think the idea is that this is going to outlast the current war and become an ongoing group. But it's clear that for the moment, they're really trying to just build awareness of Ukraine and the war. Uh, their theater was actually used as a bomb shelter during the early days of the invasion when Kiev uh, was being shelled. And again, recently during the, the winter bombings. Uh, yeah, so during the spring show, which, so all this happened just as we were finishing that. So I didn't have time to, there was no time to sort of let the material affect what we were working on. Uh, and it didn't really, it didn't really fit with Matskaze. But I asked my, my local Ukrainian friend, Irina, to talk about Ukraine to open the show. But, but then, so yeah, so I did that. And then in the summer, uh, after, after the summer show, I was speaking to this, to, to Veronica from Pro English. And we decided it was time for Pro English and YTG to do a collaboration. And we had some trouble coordinating at first. And I'll admit, I, look, I almost gave up on that project. But Marie, uh, a German performance artist who worked on the entire Matsukaze project and is working on the next project, in fact, was in that meeting I had tonight. Uh, she was really keen and she really gave me the push I needed to sort of follow through. I was willing to say, look, oh, this is too much work. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, her pushing is what made what made that show happen. So we did a folktale exchange. We gave uh, Pro English a Japanese folktale to work on, and we found a Ukrainian folktale. Uh, we did that ourselves. There were scheduling issues, and uh, yeah, again, we had sort of communication issues at the beginning, it, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, so we had to choose a folktale called Berhinya before they were ready to pass one over to us because we had to start working on it. Uh, and anyway, yes, so together we produced both we produced, uh, we both produced short shows. And uh, for this one, even though I, I was at the first and last rehearsals, uh, Mayuka Kowaguchi mostly directed slash choreographed the piece. My creative contribution on this one was just the lighting design. And of course, like, I, yeah, as usual, I ran all the tech, even the lights, like lights, sound, video, everything. Um, what else? Creative things in 2022. No big photography gigs in 2022. Uh, I continued to be the primary volunteer photographer for both YTG and the Sharing Caring Communities NPO. The closest I got to art shoots were some snail and beetle photos I think I took of my son's pets. And of course, oh, I do volunteer work for my son's uh, after school daycare. So I'm really working on refining my kids, my, my candid child portraiture work. And I think, yeah, I think I'm making, I think I'm making progress. I think my shots are getting better. Uh, let's see what else. I wrapped up a couple of videography and editing projects in 2022, but those were, those were, those are all commercial work. So work for hire and not art for art's sake, which is what this podcast is supposed to be about. This update is supposed to be about. Yeah. I mean, 2022, to be perfectly honest, the ratio of admin versus art was probably 85 to 15 in favor of admin, you know, paperwork, tech, making ends meet, et cetera. So I hope to find a way to turn that around this year, but I will uh, save that and my other arts-related goals maybe for the next update. Maybe that's a good thing to talk about. Okay, I hope that wasn't super dull to listen to. I'll have more substantial creative things to talk about as we move further into January and there's uh, more meetings happening about this show that's coming up. As I said before, I'm going to try to make these updates weekly. And um, yes, most of them will probably be more concise than this. Anyway, thank you for listening.